Hi, Fiber friends. Welcome to the Fiber Artist Podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. 15% off. That's right. You get 15% off all your favorite fibers at naromastudio.com using the code PODFRIEND. Rope, wool, yarn, string, recycled silks. Head to naromastudio.com and enter the code PODFRIEND at checkout for 15% off. Now, today's guest is the wonderful and talented Tammy Kennett, based in Melbourne, Australia. Tammy and I had a great talk. She tells us all about transitioning from her successful decade-long jewelry business to working on the loom and how that filled a need to be making that she didn't even quite know she had at the time. We talk about the highs and lows of being a creative. We chat NFTs and making art for the metaverse. And we even try to tackle the difficult conversation around copying. It's a good one, you guys. You can find Tammy online at TammyCannett.com and on Instagram at TammyCannett. And um, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a comment for that algorithm. Now, without further ado, here's Tammy. You look great, and I love the background. (laughs) Yeah, no, the background's cool. I like that. Yeah, super cool. So yeah, if you could start off just by uh, introducing yourself, just first and last name, and um, where people can find you online and on Instagram. And I am on Instagram under Tammy Cannett or my website's um, www.tammycannett.com. And that's probably, um, the Instagram's probably, yeah, the best place just to get a bit more sort of action and see where I'm at at the this moment. Um, I'm better at my Instagram than my website, that's for sure. And... Um, what was the other question? Oh, um, well, that that was basically it for now. I know I have been following you on Instagram for a very long time. I started out, um, I think, just sort of discovering discovering fiber art around 2013, 2014, and then got much more into it, like started making and um, weaving in like the end of 2014, and then, you know, kind of turned it into like a uh, money making sort of hobby in 2015 but um but I feel like I knew of you that whole time so I think you're definitely one of you've been in this space longer than me and um yeah I mean I would just I I your work is so recognizable you know it's like when you post something we know it's immediately your work and I just think you're such a wonderful art wonderful artist uh, so I just would love to know how did you get started in about 2000, I um, had two very young children, 13 months apart, and I used to take them on walks in the pram. And one day, I'd often go into this shop where this lady made jewellery and sold stones and beautiful colours. And one day I asked her to design me uh, a pair of earrings to go out with. And so she did that and I chose the stones and I went out with my friends. And then they said, oh, we love your earrings can you get us some? So I said, sure. So then I somehow fell into selling jewellery, which I'd never really thought of before and I'd never really connected to my creativity Mm. and then I just discovered I was creating something unique, not really meaning to. And so that was kind of the beginning of my creative journey and um and that grew into a very big business where I had um jewelry makers and staff and we would sell it all over Australia and New Zealand and I think the biggest thing about this 
jewelry business, the biggest thing I learned is one that I loved creating and I loved the colors and exploring how you could connect the stones. And number two was when it grew too big where I couldn't actually have, uh, it was more about keeping the prices down, following up mm. invoices and the commercial thing took over. I realised I was much more about the artistic side and the creativity than the commercial side. Right. But I needed to go through that to realise that. Right, right. Um, well, the, yeah, and the, well, the business side is, I think, often what hinders people from growth. I mean, even myself in in my business right now, I think it's like that's so the tricky part of it all is being able to handle the administrative part of it because it's such a nightmare, but it's something you have to do. But it, it kind of, and it takes you away a lot of times from the creativity, you know. But, um, yeah. So I think, you know, I suppose just, you know, it was from that point that I walked away from the jewellery business, which was called Mink Jewellery, which is very hard because it was a big part of my identity. Right, and you and had staff. Sort of, and I had staff yeah. and I had rent and and um, I'd really, you know, had built up a business that, that um, was not, it wasn't really the thing that I learned that I was good at mm. because I always just sort of wanted to spend more time making the pieces. I wasn't time efficient. I've never been time efficient. It's always been about the creative side, not about the the uh, efficiency side. Right. So I kind of walked away from that and it was so kind of empty and scary but I'd really fallen out of love of it and I knew that when I started trying to sell to people not really caring with how good they looked in the jewelry I was like mm, you're not you're not connecting with your truth right. that is not your truth then because it was always about like I loved when people would walk out of a beautiful gift for someone or they were, walked out with the jewellery feeling fabulous because they're going on a night out. And I just realised that when I was desperate to sell so that I could reach rent and pay staff and I was like, mm, not good for the soul. Right. So I, I walked away right. from that. And I know this is a long way to get to it, but that was when I, I literally put the creativity aside until – my next journey came along, which was the waving. Right. Wow. So how long was the jewelry business again? Um, did you say 12 years? Mm, okay. 12 years. Wow. So at that, so this is actually from what, 2000 to 2012 ish. So were you selling, um, were you doing, you know, like wholesale to retailers or uh, on, I mean, online, I guess was starting to ramp up at the, like in the middle of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, I was selling, yeah, wholesale to retailers and I set up the, you know, very early on the website and you could buy, buy the jewellery on the website and, um, yeah, yeah. Did you ever think, were you ever kind of thinking about having like um, your own like retail sort of setup, like a brick and mortar type of setup? Well, I sort of had an unusual situation because the fun bit of the business, which I loved, is that the studio crossed over as a shop. Yeah, nice. As a outlet so people would come in and we'd do like custom designs for people with the jewelry oh fine so I really, that bit was fun because yeah you were kind of connecting with it but the piece that was still really missing for me was 
I wasn't a jeweler. I was the person designing it and I had jewelry makers making it and I always just found A translating what I wanted to create. Right. And I think there was always the feeling of like I couldn't there was a lack of freedom because I had to rely a little bit on also their artistic expression of what I was communicating. So right. I didn't have full mm, full creative license. Right, right. Oh gosh, that's so interesting. Because of course you have if you have to scale a business like this too, you have to have people helping you to actually create the pieces. And you couldn't be making each individual little thing by yourself. Mm. And even I guess in the beginning it was it was you were designing and with the lady that you had initially started like the first the first set of earrings, right? Mm-hmm. It was your design and then you asked her to actually make them. Yeah. So if I'm understanding right, you you wanted to be making. You wanted to have your hands in it. Yeah. And so and the, the, therefore it was not quite quite what you were looking for, which is actually amazing I mean because you kept it going for so long. Um because so, I'm thinking yeah, interesting conversation because I don't think I realized like the satisfaction I was getting from it was the actual the creating yeah but when I moved into weaving and I got to have the creative idea and the creation it was just like so beautiful right like it was just a whole new level I mean I for 12 years like I loved still the exploring the the creativity but I just it it was a new level when I actually decided to um do also the the craft on my own right so when you so you shut down the business and how long did it take between shutting that down and like did you have a sort of lost period where you were like what am I going to do with myself your kids are 12-ish at the time right 12 13 and Mm -hmm. at that point they start to get slightly more you know independent um, I'm assuming my kids are eight and 10. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm assuming at that point I can step back a little bit, except for the driving them everywhere thing. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I imagine you're going through sort of a personal transition at that time. What, what were you, you know, what were you, what was happening inside? I think that, um, it was, I, it was interesting. I remember, you know, I'm very close with my sister-in-law and she's a meditation teacher oh, and she nice. was sort of on her own journey and studying psychotherapy and all these things and I we were always laugh because I was like the business busy 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 and she was kind of the very just more relaxed and I remember sitting at her kitchen table and just saying to her like I don't know how to get out of this like and she just said to me you have to be uncomfortable and that's okay to be uncomfortable and I'll just never forget her saying that I was like ah Right. Okay. Like I got to just hang in there because it wasn't it wasn't correct anymore, and it wasn't serving me or my family, or you know, it was not a good space to be. Uh, so I think um, it was not long after that, and you know, we decided to do some renovations on our house. So I was really lucky because mm-hmm. I could put my creative into that. Yeah, and and I. I also kind of, I tried so many different ideas. Like I think I tried to set up a, you know, a website where I found interesting product from all over the world and I was going to sell it on the website and I just had shipping and it was just chaos because I'm not organized. Right. The logistics part is the worst. (laughs) The worst. 
like I could source like really interesting products and I have some to the day and met some awesome people. But you get me to try and upload it on my website and get it out to wherever and get payment. It's not a good combination. So I went down that path. So I sort of tried different things, different creative outlets whilst renovating our house. And in that process, I stumbled across a beautiful tapestry that I think was maybe from New York or somewhere overseas. And I really wanted it for our house. I was just like, I really love this. And I couldn't get it and it wasn't possible and I didn't oh. – and I think I just sent an image of it. So I ended up thinking, oh, maybe I could make this. Maybe I could just, like, find – get some wool and, and create it. And anyway, so that is what I went and did. Wow. Do you remember when um, – what the source was, that original piece that you – that inspired you? It was made in the 1960s or 50s, something okay. like that. Oh, so you were finding a vintage, like one of a kind probably. Because it was before the whole weaving tapestry. Like no one even knew what weaving and tapestries were. It was yeah. Before, before the whole phenomenon, whatever you want to call it, took off. Like at that point, everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like what is that? Right, right. Yeah, you were right before it really started to kind of bubble up. Yeah, it was really early. And all that I knew was that when I um, – you're going to probably have to cut this out. There's actually gardeners outside our window with a whippersnipper. Oh, it's so okay. Let me go. Well, I don't hear, I don't hear them yet. Okay. He's, Did he? <laughs> I thought I'm going to let you know. Okay. Anyway, we'll see how we go. Um, it was oh, – I think the thing – okay, there were two things that happened. First of all, the wool shop I went to – had been there for like 50 years, gorgeous, you know, old women in there and they had this area out the back with just really cool vintage wool. And and when I, I started off actually with a, um, I can't, kind of, like a, a low, like a, um, what do you call the ka-ching, you know, like when you wave and then you go ka-ching, like, the like that kind of weaving. Like the floor, floor loom? Like the yeah, rigid, rigid, had, rigid had a loom? Yeah, yes. exactly. Okay. Like those. So I sort of started off with that, you know. And they were teaching that. you. The ladies at this place were teaching you, or you no, you just bought actually, your own and tried to, tried it. Just bought my own. Oh wow! And read instructions, and you know. And at that time, there wasn't much on the internet. Yeah. But I just found what I could, and I just straight away I was like, "Ooh, I really like this." Wow. It's connecting with me, and I'm going to digress here a little bit because I think this is relevant. So there was a familiarity with it. There was a comfort. There was a happiness. The colours of the wool, the feeling of the texture. And now what I realise, I think I was maybe five or six, and I used to sit by the fireplace and I used to do latch hook uh-huh. with a pillow. And I could do that for hours. But I didn't realise. You forgot like, about I it, right? It. I, it was never pointed out or I never noted, like, this makes me really, like, sing. Oh, wow. Like, this is, so I, I feel that that's pretty awesome. Definitely. That, that was there. Um, it just felt so familiar. It was in you from a very, very young age to be playing <laughs> with yarn and fiber and you didn't even realize it. Because all, yeah. all that time from when you were a really little kid to, you know, to when you found weaving, had you 
had you experimented with any sort of fiber crafts or anything? No. Yeah. Wow. No. So it was gone no. for a while. Mm, it really just, it was always like, I mean, I remember like school projects. I was always more focused on what the project looked like mm -hmm. than the content. <laughs> you know, it was definitely, um, and, you know, little things that I remember, you know, I used to look at wood and kind of see pictures in the wood, like little, I don't know, I would say little animals or I think that my mind definitely always had the creativity. But I think as we did in my growing up, it wasn't something that was kind of um, taken like a career. Right. Like if I said, right. You know, it just wasn't something. It was just more um, not something that was ever investigated. And part of me, it, maybe it just wasn't ready to, to come out yet. But I think it was always within me. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Well, let's take it even further back. I'm curious about what you were like as a kid and um, even through your high school years. You know, what were you what were you fo focusing on at the time? Were you a good student? Um, you know, if you didn't truly find this like create creative outlets for yourself at this age, what were you like? Okay, this is so interesting. <laughs> it's so lovely talking to you. And I'm just trying to be as honest as yeah, I can. Please. I think that's so helpful just for everyone because you know, I always I listen to a lot of different books and podcasts and I, I love when people can share their truth, whatever that is. I think um, when I was growing up, I used to play tennis and um, I got hair on my hair. <laughs> I play tennis too, by the way. I feel very kindred <laughs> with you. I feel I like... Even wow. with even with being a little kid, I remember making one tiny little embroidery piece, but then I didn't do much until much later. So yeah, it's it's weird. There's a lot of parallels here. This is amazing. That's quite an incredible. So, and everyone was like, "You're the tennis player," mm -hmm. you know. I mean, that was up until about twelve or something like that. I think it was probably twelve, and I was an A, a plus student. Mm -hmm. I was a very good student, and we're talking up to twelve. Okay. And I was probably an A-type personality, you know, confident. And then at about in year seven, uh, a few things happened to me. One was um, I was, there was a girl at school who was quite a bully mm. and did bully me. And it really, like, shattered my world. Mm. Like, it really was just awful. I don't know, even know what I did. I don't even think it was about me. No, it was not. I'm sure she was jealous or something, you know. Stop. But she did this thing where she literally just no one was allowed to talk to me. I mean, can you imagine doing that to a twelve-year-old? That's that was not talk to me. I'm just being really blunt here, and that was huge. Like I feel like when that happens to a twelve-year-old, so from then on, and I think she organised. I was invited to parties and all that crap that goes on in different ways in social media today. No, but and this is at the most, um, like. The, like such a what's I don't can't, I can't find the word like such an important age. This is the mm. age where all of that stuff really starts to matter. You know, like being you know quote unquote popular and this adolescent mm. period of your life, and then and then this is what's going on. This is so heartbreaking. It was really intense, and I think I literally went from this really confident person, and then I decided, oh my god, 
I can't try hard or do well because if I do, I'm going to get bullied. That's what happened to me. Oh. So from then on, academics, everything, tennis, I just did not want to shine because to me shining was associated with bullying. Oh, my gosh. That's so, so terrible. <laughs> well, I don't think it's, you know, it's interesting. It is and it isn't because I also think it's given me a beautiful depth and a humbleness and a, and a, you know, we all navigate, we learn. Right. Like it was just, it was just meant to happen. And who knows, maybe it wouldn't have given me the depth that I get to have with my art now. So I, I think in a way, you know, it's that thing, it's the light and the shadow. You know, these things are blessings as well. They are, they are, and, it's true. You know, I, I think it, it made me, yeah, the, the person, but so you were saying go back. So I think it was tennis, good academics, and then it just became preoccupied with friends, social life for a long time. Um, and then so you were I, you were able to make have at least a few good friends in your life throughout. It was probably it was maybe just a couple of months. Okay, that that happened. Yeah, but it was just awful. Mm -hmm. Like it created a, a kind of a, a fear. Of course, you know, yeah. That get yeah, like that. Um, yeah, it was a vulnerability. But I think then I kind of just got through school, and then um, I, I was trying. I travelled a lot. I I didn't really kind of pursue any. I went to university for a little bit, but wasn't. I, did, I studied photography and media. I sort of dabbled in different things, but I couldn't find my I don't know what it was and I, I think it wasn't until I kind of got married and I had kids and all of that that I um no I think another important thing I need to add to this yes I think it was not long after I got married I I think I still wasn't connecting with my truth I know I'm sounding very deep here, but I was not connecting with my truth I got married and suddenly I was meant to be like I'm now right just like life. a wife yeah 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 like okay and it was like quite confronting so I had quite a big dip just after we got married mm. and I was thinking I remember saying to my husband like oh god sorry you married me because <laughs> I really went from and I think I'd always been this creative person holding on yeah of fear of something of like judgment or people would attack me or I don't know exactly but it was that full and again the dark the like that, that fall was when my jewelry started when I found my creativity. When I was like, I've got nothing to lose because I was—I think I'd got so low. I was free. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's—I think that uh, that happens to so many people because you're—it it is. It's like, and especially with the kids. Well, for me, it was. I can only speak for myself, I guess. But it was totally at that time when the kids were really, really young, and like you lose yourself because you become just like just a mom, and it and it is not everything you know like we're 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 people with lots of dimensions and being being a mother is wonderful and it's great and it's in it's in that way but there's so much more you know and i feel like that's the point where we seek it out like what else am i going to be doing because this is not this alone cannot make me happy um and maybe that you know i don't think that's true for everyone but i think it's true for for creative people who need to create and so at that mm -hmm. point you realize that it's not going to be enough like just like I, I, I don't want to diminish 
motherhood, but Mm -hmm. it isn't enough for so many people, you know? So I totally get that. I think you need that low to kind of kick your ass Mm -hmm. into gear and be like, but there's more, there's something more out there for me, you know? Yeah. But I think also that low gets rid of that fear. Yeah. As well. Because when you, you know, are fearful of it won't be good enough, I'm going to fail, people are going to judge me, um, silly thing to do, like all those voices in your head when you actually get to a point where you're like, that all doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It, it's relief. It's just awesome. And, I mean, some people call it what return to Saturn or I don't know, whatever, I don't know if you've heard of it, but, you know, whatever that is, that transition that we go yeah. from childhood into adulthood and that sort of realisation is hard and awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, and how was your, uh, when you were picking up all these cre- sort of, when you're finding yourself, <laughs> how was your um, husband doing all this time? Was he just like, let her do her thing? Or like, what's what was he thinking? He was, um, I mean, it was interesting because he's very, you know, he's been in the same job for, I don't know, 30 years and, you know, family business, very stable and I'm all over the shop. <laughs> you know, we're like chalk and cheese. Like, so he was very, he's very stable, quite a rock in that way. That's the perfect partnership, and, honestly. <laughs> well, yeah, look, it was. I, I felt so blessed for that because he created a beautiful stability. But I think he also respected and um, was kind of in awe of my kind of messy freedom. Yeah. If yeah. you know what I mean. Oh, for like sure. he kind of, so I felt like he was always very supportive of that. Um, can you hear the blower I, I can, but it's okay. I think I I can hear you more, sure. so I think it's okay. Okay, I'm not sure whether because he doesn't need to do this right in front of my house. <laughs> I might just tell. Him, give me one second. Okay. He's going to get close. Okay, one sec. Ooh, now I can hear uh, it. I'm I'm just having an interview. So, your fault. Is it possible to start at the back or? Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. It is funny. Um, yeah. So, what, what did you just say? That was interesting. What did you say? Oh, um, talking about your husband. Oh, being uh, in a very stable position while you're given the space to explore (laughs) yeah yeah I think um you know it's interesting because then my kids because this was before this kind of really low moment Mm -hmm. happened before I had my children and um so by the time they kind of came along I kind of already uh, connected with the creativity or they were very young so they've just grown up with like stones all over the house and just colour and things and, you know, and now it's wool. And so they've just grown in this incredibly um, colourful environment. Yes, the artistic mess that is, the beautiful mess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. And are they creative in in any way? Are they, do they weave with you ever? Or is it something that they have not taken an interest in? So I have three children. Oh, three. So 
have a 22-year-old daughter. So she's actually doing her honours in psychology. Mm. And I know this sounds, you know, she is incredibly creative, but it's in a different way. Mm -hmm. But it's still artistic, how she thinks about things. And so I can see that creativity come through her. Um, So it's not as much about... um, the way I show creativity, but there's a freedom in her thoughts, which I think that is creativity, a freedom in, in thoughts. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so, and then my next daughter is actually doing her honours in interior design and she's also an artist and she is on, you know, super creative. Like I'm, she's so, yeah, I think she's, I think she's brilliant. I'm not biased, even though I'm her mum, but she really has a beautiful eye, a beautiful aesthetic. Um, Really interesting watching a 21-year-old, how they process creativity and what it means. Like she's combined a lot more the spiritual experience with the aesthetic experience and creating spaces for the soul. And, you know, this. I think their generation is much more... um, expansive yeah. in their thoughts. Yeah. My, yeah. I feel like much more self-aware um, than any generations prior. And even I just think about the the logistical part of any artistic practice now is so different than even 20 years ago because so much of it is done digitally. And like even the act of creating is so different. Like when they're laying out a room or whatever, it's like all done digitally. It, it's, it's very interesting, I think. Yeah. But one thing I do find like, I think the beauty is that, well, I noticed with her, but she still brings in all the traditional aspects. Mm. So it's this beautiful combination of tradition, of fabrics, and mixed in with digitalization, mixed in with meditation. Wow. <laughs> like, it's like such a gamut of information they have, which is a positive. That's very and a cool. Negative. Have you collaborated with her on any projects? We, um, uh, Oh my god, we like I I sometimes think like at home is like an art studio. Like I work on my own, but we are constantly sharing ideas and concepts and um I feel like we collaborate all the time on um just our processes and, and thoughts. Um we did one trip a long gosh, maybe two thousand sixteen. We went to the Milan Design Fair oh, together. Nice. Um, so fun. and I exhibited there. Oh you did. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It was pretty cool. That was like very early days. Um, but um, the interesting story about that is the people I exhibited with were the people who I'd found their their products for the website that I was going to do before I started weaving. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's and awesome. So we connected and they contacted me and one makes beautiful vases with wood and another one mirrors with rocks and then I was the textile aspect so we had an awesome exhibition. So oh, yeah. that's so cool. Did you make a lot of contacts while you were there, like that that followed through? Like was that um, sort of like a yeah. fruitful experience for you? Interesting question. Um, yeah, I definitely I did meet some really interesting people and people I've just watched grow. Like I don't know mm. if you've ever heard of Rivershan and just incredible watching these creatives just yeah, just develop and have children and I don't know, like, yeah. you know, probably you and me, like you're kind of on each other's journey. It's quite phenomenal. It's that, wonderful. That whole, it is really 
absolutely wonderful. I think that's a good, like a beautiful way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, that's great. And then um, your third child? My third child is a son. Uh-huh. So he's, um, yeah, he's about to be 19. And he is, um, well, he's studying business marketing, but he's just in first year. But he is, yeah, he, he is creative as well. I, I, I feel like they're all free spirits, you know, yeah. they're kind of. And he's just itching to travel and just go and experience the world. Um, Good for him. I mean, that's so the age to go do it. 19. 19 was fun. So much. And for two years, they were like, all my kids were like, they missed, as your kids, like two years, really important years in their life to explore the world and, and friendships and all of that. Oh, right. Your son was like graduating from high school. During COVID, in the middle of COVID, huh? Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember hearing somewhere, it's so true, like, you you know, in schools they always try and teach you resilience, but that was not a subject we had to deal with in those two years. (laughs) I know. I know I keep bringing these up, but again, it's the light and the shadow. It's completely, no, it's absolutely true, though. I mean, it is, it's all those challenges that make us like stronger people imagine if you had nothing to worry about in life you just you end up soft you end up soft and naive but when you're telling them at the time this is going to be good for you it doesn't go down well of course not of (laughs) course not not (laughs) i know yeah so um yeah and i'm just trying to think about the um i think that the my journey in tapestry Mm -hmm. is quite how it evolved. Yes, that was going to be my next question, actually, because I know you're starting out on this rigid head of loom, and then you clearly take a shift, um, you know, to the circular, like round and and different mm. shapes. So tell me how that all comes about. So once I've done the rigid head of loom, is that what it's called? I think Maybe so. Like, I think so. I don't know. I, <laughs> that ka-ching thing, yes. <laughs> whatever. And once I've done that, I then... Um, decided I was ready to get a big like standing loom and work out how to warp up from YouTube in a really dodgy way. And my husband built me this loom. We went to the hardware store and I found this like random loom you could build, which I still use to this day. So it's just been awesome. I would never have imagined these pipes would have so much use. And um, so we built that. And then I was just teaching myself and I made quite a big square piece and it was kind of following the one that I loved so it was one of the first pieces I'd done and then from then it just became this obsession of like if literally like a piece was on a piece was finished a piece was off a piece was on finished you know just couldn't I always and to this day I've always got to have something on the loom Mm. without it I feel really anxious oh interesting really yeah wow yeah I know it's really quite intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like I'm, it's just like, yeah, it just has to be in the process. And so I did, I did quite a few square works and then I realised I really need to learn a few more techniques because, you know, they're all a bit wobbly. And I contacted the Australian Tapestry Workshop, which is in Melbourne, and I ended up doing um, a whole lot of workshops there and again, it was like no one was doing it. It was like yeah, it was me, and I think everyone was like eighty-five. 
<laughs> yeah, because well, because there was a point in the seventies where where weaving and macrame were really huge, and they're probably, you know, reminiscing from that point. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It was just me and like everyone was much more much you know older yes. than me, which was fine. And um, so I did all these different levels. Like they had the starting one, and then I was like, oh, I enjoyed that. Then I went to the next level up, next level, next level, and then I eventually got to the master class where I really learned the techniques like very traditional techniques of weaving right and how to walk up properly and so that took my weaving to another level a much more um I think professional level yeah um and kept pushing and experimenting and then within that I started to play with circles within the square Mm. so I did some work circles within the square so that was kind of just dabbling away like coming out the circle thing and then I went to Milan with my daughter as I mentioned in 2016 I think it was and at Milan I met a lady there who's actually from Melbourne and I know we had this discussion that there's a whole lot of circles at the fair why is everything circles and I to the fair I took square works and I got home and that was when I was like I'm going to make a circle how can I connect this where can I put the wall? This is going to work. And I remember like rolling around the floor fighting with the whatever I could to try and make the circle connect and the walk connect. And it was just such a buzz making that kind of happen. Mm-hmm. And so I did my very dodgy version of that, as you do. And then my husband helped me fine-tune it so it actually didn't fall apart, <laughs> the, the circle. And... It was interesting because when I first started doing the circles, didn't get a lot of love. You mm, know, interesting. Just- really, really, I'm mm. shocked. Yeah, were you I doing perfect love- circles? Like, were you trying to make them perfect circles, or were they wobbly? Always wobbly. Yeah, always wobbly. Um, and it wasn't until, and I felt good about them. I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. I really like these. It's yeah. cool. And then I ended up getting into, it's called the Design Files, which is a big um, kind of, mm, how do I explain, like they find new things, like interior designers, artists, um, a big kind of Instagram. She had a huge following and I ended up getting a photographer to take some photos of my circular works Mm -hmm. and um, sending them into the Design Files and then they put them on their platform and it was just like, it went off. Oh, it nice. Oh, it's from Design so Files. Yeah, yeah. I know them. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So that was all. Awesome. When you first, but when you first started playing around with weaving, did you have in your mind? Because I feel like you know, you you must have an entrepreneurial spirit because of what how you know how far you took the jewelry. Um, were you hoping and wanting this practice to become something? you know, full-time and monetized and something you'd be selling or, um, you know, what was what were you thinking about it at the time? Well, I think as an artist, I mean, that validation when other people like your work and want to buy it, I think we've all got healthy egos that, sure. you know, that there's both the, mon- the monetary thing and the validation that people are enjoying what you're doing. Um, but I just kind of... Again, you know, where I think where the work started off and what I was selling them for and the amount of hours I would put in, 
it wasn't for the money. That was for sure. Right. You know what I mean? It's just more like I was honored that people were enjoying my work and that they wanted it. Like, how awesome. Like, right. that's so cool. Plus, and I love doing Plus, it. early on, it's not like you can, it's hard, not that you can't, but it's hard to charge what it is worth as far as time and, mm. you know, material costs and all this, you know, all these things that people say, like, you know, don't, don't undervalue your work. It's hard at first when this, when, I feel like, um, you know, because you were starting, you were really early on, I think, in this, you know, this trend of whatever it is right now. But um, to justify saying I I needed to, like, it costs this much (laughs) and this is what it's worth. But people would probably look at you sideways like, um, I don't think so, you know. Even now, I think people struggle with with pricing what a piece is worth, you know. I can't call this imposter syndrome that I think most artists Mm -hmm. have. And we all have, and it's that thing of like, well, I can't really ask that for it. And I, you know, God, who do I think I am? Like, it's that. And I always, you know, my husband runs all my business, my financial. We we established that I that is not my skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm it's good. Right. Yeah, it's good for you to be aware <laughs> of it and then hand it off. Yes. Yeah. Delegating and is key. What he does. He's really good at that. That's and great. also I think as an artist, it's really hard to value yourself, like really hard. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we don't look in the mirror and go, wow, I look fantastic. It's, you right. know, it's really difficult to to do that. So, you know, even with him doing it, I'm always like, oh, God, you know, oh, can we do that? Or oh, I feel uncomfortable. Or, but I suppose the market at the end of the day will make the call. Yeah, yeah. You know? And if there's people there who want it enough, feel enough pleasure for what you're doing and you're creating from your heart with authenticity and truth, I think that it will hopefully resonate with someone else and they'll value it. And if they don't, well, then it's not connecting with them. And right. That, also- that person won't be your, your, you know, your buyer. It will be the next person who it does connect yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's really important as artists to respect yourself, your creativity. It's not even just the piece you finish with, it's the work you've done before to get to that point. Yeah. Is also important. It's not just the piece. So, you know, you look at some artwork and let's just say a Jackson Pollock or whatever, it, it wasn't just the Jackson Pollock piece he created. It was all the thoughts and emotions and experiments he did well and truly before that. Mm-hmm. So I think that is, you know, for artists, that's where you actually have to look at that value as well. Yeah. I mean, that's half the reason I do this podcast because there's the work that we see, right, on Instagram or wherever, but I think it's hard to get the actual artist's story out. And I think the story is so important, like an an important element of what goes into the work. You know, and when people get to know like who you are, where you came from and how you got to be, you know, Tammy Kinnett, then it's like it it all goes into figuring out what like what the work means, you know, even though it's up for interpretation, you know, for yeah. whoever is looking at it. But it is I think it's like getting the full story is so important. You know? mm. I actually feel really um, grateful that you've asked me. And I think there's definitely times I'm. I feel more comfortable to share in other times where I just need to get yeah. in my little cave and just do what I need to do. And um, 
but I feel that it's it's really you know it's so beautiful to engage and share with other artists because it is very solitary. It is. It is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, that's another thing I wanted to ask you. Are you? Uh, do you have help in the studio? Do you have any studio assistants, or um, are you doing everything yourself? This is such a good question. <laughs> it is such a good question because I. I can't get help. I need to do it all myself because to me it is about I don't plan anything. It's the journey. I'm in the process. How do I pass that on to someone? I know. It it perplexes me how people do. Like there are people that actually can pass it on and it's, you know, it's not any less. The work is not any less good or important or whatever. But yeah, I don't understand like on a practical level how it's done. Well, I suppose you've got to work out what's fulfilling for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I've been, I think for me, maybe after doing the jewellery and having people, you know, working with me and getting other people to do it and, you know, I just feel so blessed that I can create it myself. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like I did that. I tried that and I love the freedom of not, um, I don't know, It's it's like someone reading a book with me. I don't want to read a book with someone else. I want to read the book on my own. Yeah. You know, that's fulfilling for me. Um, but sometimes it's hard, like, you know, because um, I've got to find the balance of, you know, commissions I'll take on and I will give every single piece 150% love. I will never do that again to go, though that earring looks great on you when it doesn't. I just will not do that, yeah. you know. So... It's just, um, it's one of those things that I just have to stay, stick with my truth, which is to do the art, do it with 100% love. And I mean, probably a year, you know, maybe I can make 12 or 14 pieces, so not huge amounts, but hopefully people will respect the um, the integrity of the work. Yeah, for sure. And they're large-scale pieces too, so it's not like, you know, you they're mm. they're all very involved and very mm. uh one of a kind. I don't think you don't really repeat exact designs ever, right? Not that I've seen. I mean maybe there's I actually couldn't. Yeah. Because I don't even know what oh you got a rat. No, no, he's just checking if everything's recording and stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um I don't I actually first of all it's like reading I know I keep going reading a book again. I don't want to read the same book yeah. twice. I don't I don't like watching movies twice. And I don't want to make it weave the same. Like someone might say to me, um, you know, I love this piece. You know, could it be, you know, keep this in mind, these are the colours and I'm more than happy to explore that in another um in another way. Yeah, yeah. But I also, if anyone's bought my work, they deserve to have a unique piece. Yeah. And also when yeah. I look at the evolution of your work, I mean, it's like, it's, it's everything you do and everything you create and the changes you put into things and the experiment, you can see you, I can see you experimenting with different things. Like, you know, you're doing three dimensional, three dimensions or um, layering in different ways that, you know, you may not have before. And I think each each evolution of the work is like, it's so cool, you know? Like, why would somebody want the same piece that someone else has, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, um, I mean, I, I get restless very quickly. 
mm-hmm. and you know I'm actually going through a restless stage at the moment, which is a good thing. But I um I suppose I'm coming up to sort of it's ten years or something, ten eleven I don't know yeah something like that. But I think um that you know I've been exploring with these square works as well, which are very uh, intricate and very lots of time and um but yeah I want to always keep exploring and I do enjoy the circles but I don't want to be stuck in right. a circle right absolutely mm-hmm. but even with what you did with the circles I feel like they're they're also there are elements of each one that are just completely different the way that you've that the way that you approach them so yeah I mean I could understand and mm-hmm. one in one sense that you don't want to have any stagnation um, in mm. terms or restriction, um, mm. staying within one certain shape. So I could totally get that. But I have to say and give you kudos, like <laughs> the way that you have um, made each one one of a kind is, is amazing. Mm. But um, yeah. Oh, I have to ask you, I recently noticed that you've entered the NFT space. Yes. Tell me about <laughs> it. I'm, I'm still kind of like dumb as to what exactly... <laughs> In NFTs, I mean, I know what it is. I know what it is, but I still don't quite understand the process of creating and and now and now that you have created um, these digital works, what what happens now? I don't really know. It's interesting actually because uh, one of my new friends, NFT friends, because like you know, you kind of have your weaving friends, your arty friends, your NFT friends. So I really did make a beautiful world of a community of people involved in the NFT world. Um, the So it is a very, it's a rabbit hole to go into the NFT world. There is so much to understand and learn. It's 24-7 because it's digital and it's kind of, it goes around the clock that people are selling, discussing, buying or whatever it is. Um, so I think I, again, with my curiosity, sort of saw this was going on and I was like, well, I just want to investigate it and see what this is about. So I actually um, connected with a gorgeous guy called Jurian who's from the Netherlands and he's a digital artist and I just, um, we had a fun conversation. Neither of us really knew about NFTs. We just knew it was sort of happening. Um, we wanted to make sure that, you know, because of the carbon emissions that we, we covered that, we went through the right platform. We were both sort of conscious that was a big thing to do. Um, and we just went on this journey of how he could interpret my work mm. digitally. And we kind of threw it around. But I gave him a lot of free reign because I respect his work and, um, and I really connected with him as a person, as I still do. So we have explored it and we got met the wallets you know there is so much to do to get yourself set up and understand it it was like going to a what do you call it like a university in um in fast space yeah like, you know what I mean it was just so overwhelming um I have to say it didn't I felt like I was always a step behind mm. and it didn't I don't think it comes naturally to me I don't I feel like our interpretation of my art into digital work has a lot more work to do but it was it's worth I think it's important to have a look at it 
Um, I've probably put it a little bit aside for the moment. We'll come back to it when I'm ready. But you need a lot of energy, a lot of time. There's a lot of community talking with people. Um, you have to invest a lot into it. Right. Um, so you're a lot of energy. In- so the pieces you have up, I mean, they're they're beautiful. The way that he did interpret, you know, the movement, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, very mesmerizing. And it it is kind of yeah. what I would think a moving digital work of yours would would have to be you know i don't know they're they're really wonderful but like what so i guess i don't know are they so they're available to purchase right yeah so yeah so there's a platform so there's a whole lot of platforms there's one called OpenSea, which is kind of a just i mean pretty much anyone can go on that platform and you so they're on OpenSea, yes so you can purchase them and with Ethereum, mm-hmm. which is cryptocurrency, and they, so we sold quite a few of them. I think maybe there's two or so left. Okay. Um, so we did so that a lot of people have them in their MetaMask wallet. Right. I know I'm speaking language. I don't know if you know what that means. So people have bought them, but they're the kind of things you hold onto, like, and there are opportunities that you can like display them on on screens or on your phone or um but i'm really only at the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of of it and something maybe in the future i will look more into um but i think when i go back to right at this moment that's not I know I use it. that's not mm, really interesting. A lot more to investigate, mm-hmm. but again, it's not me being able to physically, digitally do the work. Right, and I find right, that right. Exciting. Yeah, I totally understand like, that. I, yeah, but you got paid in Ethereum. Is this right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a digital yeah. wallet and all this stuff. Um, did yeah. you set a price, uh, like an Ethereum price, and then and yeah. it wasn't like an auction. No, so what we did is we had, um, we set an Ethereum price. And I mean, I think a lot of people, I think it's important to, it is happening. It is is, 100%. It is the world in different areas. So I think it's it's worthwhile to understand it. And I do think I feel honored and also happy that I've got in so early because whatever happens with these digital um, works that we've created, I think they'll be valuable because they are early days. Yeah. You know, it's re- I mean, it's still early days, you know, but it really is the beginning of the next sort of phenomenon. And so I think it's um, it for sure is. To- yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was very impressed that, you know, when I was going through your your um, your body of work and everything. And I was like, wait a minute, she's in the NFT space. This is crazy. <laughs> I was so excited to just oh kind of get an God. understanding of how that process worked for you. That's very yeah. cool. And it's also awesome that they're almost all sold out. I mean, that's yeah. phenomenal. I think the thing for me is that the people that were like, I'm not like, it's a huge community, NFT community. And the people that were interested in my work really are probably more followers of me. So a lot of them bought MetaMask and learned uh-huh. and got their wallet and bought Ethereum to get them. Right. You know, they're not, pe- they're not, uh, you know, people so much in the NFT space, people who wanted to get into the NFT space. Right, right. And, and if you, my work is an avenue 
to do it, which is uh, awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. We're all we're all going to have to make the transition eventually. So for you yeah. to get that ball rolling, I mean, it's great. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little bit like um, the jewelry or the waving. Like I just I don't think too much. Yeah. I just kind of jump in and then go, oops. That's <laughs> good though. See, sometimes people overthink and then they don't take the jump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everybody prepares for things. They, they want things to be absolutely perfect before they try something. And that is mm-hmm. um, a, oftentimes I think what hinders progress. You know, you have to, sometimes you do yeah. I just have to close your eyes and <laughs> pray and jump. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you're never going to know if you don't look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you won't know. And I mean, doing these NFTs. I mean, I you know I have watched similar to you know the weaving world or the the other world, like all these different worlds. I have watched like there's an NFT called World of Women, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And I saw it at the beginning. And seriously, at the beginning, I think they were like two hundred dollars or something. They're now like millions. Oh wow, millions. And it's more. It's not about the money. It's about watching the just the way it evolves it fascinates me it is i mean it's completely fascinating my mm. my husband was into cryptocurrency or like early i mean we're not mm. rich because of it because he did a lot of selling and a lot of losing nice. <laughs> losing passwords and keys or whatever but um but yeah he was he's always been in it like interested in those kinds of things really early so yeah i've been kind of watching it happen but i'm like i feel very lost and still very stuck in like this analog world you know where Mm -hmm. i'm like i think i'm fighting a little a little bit because it's it just seems overwhelming you know um so i'm glad Mm -hmm. at least i have him to balance me out and actually take us to the future yeah Yeah, it is overwhelming but i think if you can do it on your terms yeah you know and um yeah, I think though you need a lot of energy to do it. Yeah, and it seems like it's a like lot energy. of and a lot of time to like sit and scour through things and learn about it. And I mean, it's yeah, it's a lot. Mm. It's a lot. I think what it is, it's a lot about. I think the biggest thing is it's a lot about community, which is beautiful. Mm. Artists supporting artists or collectors, but it's a like. It's also not just about the NFT, it's about the utilities. So I'm going to give you a quick example, which hopefully is interesting. So there's an amazing kid, I think he's 19 now, and his name's Ferocious. And he basically is just this, like, he's a genius. And he's created these, his latest thing is these paint drops. And if you buy the paint drops, then something else is coming around the corner for you. You get the opportunity to buy the next NFT. So it's kind of mixing with that gaming, utilities. They'll offer you things. You get to then go on special boats or special clubs. So it's kind right. of not like a different art. It, there's so much back end and, and meaning to it beyond like, yeah, it, it's just a different journey. Yeah, and the infiniteness of it is I think what it's like, it's hard to get my mind around all, all of that. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. But anyway, I think everyone, when they're ready, will, will you know, explore it. And um, I think that, um, I don't know, I think for me, I mean, I won't, I just wish I could, you know, weave it digitally. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. know. That's... 
That's the hardest part, I guess, because you do have to hand it over or learn. Uh, right, yeah. right. Learn some digital skills. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see that happening right now. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say to you, which I think is relevant in the conversation, like another huge key turning point for me in my journey um, was I was approached by, it's called Mecca, which is a massive company in, I think, Australia. I think just just Australian, and they select artists uh, every or well, the last five or six years, Australian female artists that then they um, represent on their like Christmas packaging and oh, wow, cool. also National Gallery of Victoria. They commission pieces to be made for the National Gallery of Victoria. Wow! So that happened in two thousand and nineteen, and that was just. Huge, a huge turning point for me. It's sort of, you know, I think what I loved about it is like everyone's like, you know, people are like, oh, you're just knitting, or which is fine, or you just, what do you mean you're doing weaving or tapestry? And I was like, oh, I just enjoy it. And I always felt a little bit like, you know, it's not so, you know, it's not real, if you know what I mean, in terms of artistic integrity. And I think with the National Gallery of Victoria commissioning, those pieces I just so validated like, I was just like Dude, yay so we yeah yeah go for it like it needs its place absolutely that's huge mm. so did the the your uh works went on view there mm. for um how long were they up about three months okay very nice and then they've kept, they keep them because they they purchase them but yeah so do they go like, into the collection of the national gallery <gasps> that's yeah. so amazing uh, pretty good. Oh, I love I that. I feel like as um, fiber artists, textile artists, or whatever we call ourselves, um, I think that it really is getting the, um, I don't know, the acknowledgement that it should have. It's a beautiful art form. Yeah, yeah. That's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I mean, huge, huge, huge. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. It's so wonderful. Thank you. Um, I know I don't um how... Um, you know, how I um, was so, I don't know, just fortunate to have that opportunity, but I'm very grateful yeah. for it. Did you create work specifically for it or did you already have something that you submitted? No, I created four works okay. for them. Oh, that's you so know, wonderful. Time, I just felt, I was just having a really beautiful free time. I felt really like it was really fun. I didn't, I couldn't even, I didn't even feel stressed about it. I was like, wee, this is good. Oh, that's so you know? amazing. But I think it's, yeah, you just got to keep that freedom. Yeah. I think that. Do you have um, more uh, plans or interest in doing more museum shows? <sighs> good questions. <laughs> this is another <laughs> one. Um, I have it's, – it's really difficult because I'm very fortunate that Instagram's been really like a gallery for me. And You don't um, have any work to put up, huh? do you? Because <laughs> are you just immediately making and selling, making and selling, making and selling? I don't want to do that because I don't think that that is – but, yes, I've probably maybe overcommitted myself a little bit at the moment. So um, – so, yeah, yeah, that is a problem. Like mm -hmm. it's about just, you know, a lot of artists won't do commissions. They just will do, um, 
yeah, they just say, I'm just going to create and what I have, you can have a look at. Um, and that I must say, the only thing is that I have been exploring with the squares that I do and I will continue doing that. So I think that's really what I'd like to develop further. Mm-hmm. And maybe that may be as a, um, as a, an exhibition but you know also you've got the dilemma which you know we all have that you know with Instagram and with galleries I still think galleries are important but you know they take a huge percentage mm-hmm. understand it they deserve it because they're they're running a business and it's you know a beautiful acknowledgement but it's a lot to um you've got to get comfortable you know with that um that um yeah so I think you know that's that's the other thing but I do think being with a gallery is important yeah well I think the goal would be also that once you are represented by a gallery the sort of not that you need it but I guess you know the cachet goes up so the price point goes up to kind of Mm. cover you know to cover whatever commission they'd be making from it well the only thing I would say with that I think Instagram has the respect and the trust you know for a lot of people today you know I there's definitely a lot of art collectors like huge who need galleries but I think there's a lot of people including myself who source art from the internet yeah yeah me too like me too you know so I think yes yeah definitely but I think the Instagram is um or social media it's it's quite phenomenal like I sometimes just think the trust people have for it is incredible you know um i mean one of my most exciting purchases i had this was a long time ago was from miley cyrus oh wow that's awesome that is very exciting <laughs> that's huge it was huge and i don't want to know but i've had other you know celebrities contact me and you know dm me or whatever and i'm not saying that in an arrogant way no I'm just of saying, course like, not it's just what it is people are comfortable to yeah they you know in some ways they know you more from instagram than they do just seeing your artwork up in a gallery right 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 yeah i know it's a beautiful thing isn't it (laughs) just take out the middleman yeah but it it really you know so they're they're definitely things i you know i think that 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 is still really important i totally agree with that but it's like where does it all fit in right now right right Mm -hmm. yeah for sure Mm. Yeah, be interesting yeah. to see where you take it all. And I love the squares that you're doing, um, and you know what you're experimenting with there. So I'm excited to see oh. how that goes. Yeah, I just need um, a little bit more time to do them. It's sort of funny because they're probably they're more labor intensive, but they don't look it, mm. which is weird, you know. But it's not always about that. Um, yeah. But there, are, I think the process of the squares is just. Again, um, it's just intriguing me. It's it's that less is more kind of thing. Yeah. This, but they're complex. Do you um, mm. do you get into creative ruts, or do you find you you always seem to have mm-hmm. a flow? Um, <laughs> scary question to, to answer. <laughs> I'm probably jinxing myself. No, no, no I, jinxing. <laughs> no, I think. Um, I find more that if I just had a few more arms would be really helpful. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I wish I could. I feel like I've got them in my brain, 
but it's here and I don't have enough arms and energy, physical strength. But, you know, so I feel yeah. like I feel like ideas are just endless, endless, but I can't physically do. Yeah. I mean, and energy. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, and speaking of physical strength, I mean, weaving is not easy on the body. It like, do you find yourself, you know, as you're doing more and more like hours of work and um, I mean, do you need chiropractic treatment and what do you, how are you maintaining your physical form? Because it's hard. It is hard. We all have back problems eventually, you know? I go to a physio three times a week. Mm -hmm. There you go. I have to, just to relate, not for long, just release work and build up strength in the right spots because I have to look after my body. You have to. We all do as artists and, you know, so, yeah, I make that a priority because I do want to continue what I'm doing for as long as I can. So, um, yeah, that's like an investment in my yeah 100 yeah. percent. Um, yeah what do you do to decompress because weaving is therapeutic for a lot of people but weaving yeah. is when weaving becomes yeah. work sometimes that isn't where you'll do it you know i um i meditate mm-hmm. every day I do transcendental meditation wow. um so i've always gone in and out of it and i am um, I've been back to it for quite a while now and it's just an essential for me. I think it helps my work become better, better mother, just hopefully better person, I, I think. So that is really just permission to stop my brain going because I think as creatives our brains go a little bit overtime sometimes yeah. thinking, you know. Um, so meditation walking and um i love listening to um this podcast especially at the moment there's a guy called ram das from the 1970s oh yeah yeah i'm familiar uh, yeah yeah so i love you know just i love learning like love learning just about um life philosophy and um other artists before us so yeah I do, that's also i mean i often listen to books and things like that when I'm, I'm weaving but I do knowledge is yeah I find that is really I that's part of my um hobby <laughs> hobbies you know yeah um walking I do have walking but yeah um yeah are we I mean you probably maybe you saw we we go a lot to we've got a um a boat up in the country so i had i had to ask about this these images like i did i couldn't figure out if it was your studio or if you had a house directly on a lake so that's a boat <laughs> so that's a boat because there are it's some images where you see the the giant okay. window in the background and it is just stunning the view yeah. so you're making it, on the boat yeah oh, so God, we what a dream we try and go up most weekends um to to this this boat and it is it's just beautiful it's just like it is just everything just falls away and I mean I think that's the other thing nature that's my other yeah space um I mean I'm not sure you know for you like I know weaving is a lot about my emotions it's a form of expression mm-hmm. you know of internally what's going on even though I don't know what that is I, I feel like it comes out yeah. In the weaving, I always find when I'm at the lake is sometimes when I do my best work. Yeah, 
I can totally see why. I mean, it is so gorgeous that <laughs> that area. Is that far from where you live? It's about two hours, oh, two and a half that's hours. That's not bad. That's right? not bad at all. Which is, I, but the drive's also part of the journey because you kind of leave the city and you slowly more trees, more cows, more greenery, more hill, mountains, and you just wind down. By the time you get there, you kind of, you know, I think if it was too close, it wouldn't be good. Right, right, exactly. Wind down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ask you a question. Yeah. I always like because my kids say that I jump, I skip parts of stories, like just go to the end or the middle. Have I done that at all with you? Have I been quite clear? I don't think so. I think we've, I think we've been pretty on a flow path. I'm the same (laughs) way though. Like I also make a lot of diversions and digressions so <laughs> for a podcast host it's not the great the greatest um, quality but I try to keep us on track a little bit <laughs> I actually love that you do that like it's so I forget that we're on even on a podcast it's so I think it's so great what you're doing and is it harsh um it was at first and sometimes I mean I still like you know when I get nervous I honestly like before ours I was like there I was pretty nervous um, just because, you know, it's, there are a lot of people I'll talk to where I, where we DM a lot. And so I kind of know them and sort of consider them a friend. And then, um, like with you, I mean, I have known of you forever and ever, but I just, you know, we never, en- I just didn't engage that much. Cause I'm like, oh, she's the famous person. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, so yeah I mean I get nervous um but no I mean it's now that I'm sort of usually we don't have as many technical issues as we had today so I would say that was probably um you know that made it harder but yeah no it's no it's an hour and I just I love doing it because I yeah I mean I I love bringing focus onto the artist and um, you know, I hope, I hope people, more people will listen and learn more about you and follow and follow you if they're not. But I don't know anyone who is not following you. I mean, that's just crazy. <laughs> I hope that also talking, well, I wonder, talking to other artists, if it kind of just like I find listening to other artists, it always inspires me to go, oh, I'm going to do that or like, oh, yes, I need to just let go more and stop trying to, you know, just be freer. And I, I always feel like that's also a beautiful part of what you're doing on the podcast because it's allow, giving other artists permission or even inspiration to just give it a go. Yeah. Like, it's okay, you know, and I, I, I often find I need that when I kind of get into that's one thing that keeps me in the flow yeah you know yep for in, sure. being inspired by others for sure yeah yeah um, and um it's actually i'm jumping to one other topic here please do <laughs> what are your or the philosophy on like copying oh, i'm just curious. it's hard I don't- okay from a person from from a from the position of an artist whose work was copied before and this is like you know I'm not making that much work anymore um, since I'm, you know, more focused on the shop. But um, at the time when it happened, I mean, it feels awful when it happened um, and when it happens. But it also I've I've gone through a lot of evolution in terms of the way I think about it. But um, Mm -hmm. I started to realize it depended on who was doing the copying, too. So 
I remember um, very, very early on the first time I was copied and it was like not for not like piece by piece. But the girl who sent it was so proud of herself. She And she was from another country. Like, I think she was from like Southeast Asia or something. And she's like, look what I made. And I was like, great. Like, <laughs> but, and I think because this was the first time it happened, I was really, gro- like I was grossed out. I, it was a terrible feeling, terrible feeling. Um, but now when I look back on it, I mean, what a harmless you know, what a harmless thing to have happened because it's not like she's going out and making a thousand of them and trying to sell them. The second time it happened, it was an Australian person who ended up, I guess she was selling them as her own, but what she had done was bought them from some shop in Indonesia. And so she was selling them in mass, but selling them as handmade, like handmade items that were hers but, on Etsy. So Indonesian shop to copy your work. Yes. So right. I don't know. I, I don't know if she commissioned them, but or if they just copied it. You know, they find images online. She, but then she bought them in bulk and then sold them as her own handmade pieces. So I was like, that was that was gross. I don't know. I, I hated it. Right. Really hated that. Um, and the next one was. I mean, this is just concept, but like, you know, when I came out with like the cloud loom, I don't know if you know about Mm -hmm. it, but it was like a cloud shaped loom. And um, I'm pretty sure I was the first person to do that. And then so a lot of people after that came out with those, which was, you know, that is what it is. It's not like I had a patent on it, Um, but it's the large company. When the large companies do it, I mean, that's obviously it just pisses me off, you know, like anthropology and free people. I think they're notorious um, for doing that. And undercutting the artist and not, you know, not even giving them any credit, which, you know, really sucks. But then I have to come from then. So this continues to evolve. Um, Then as someone who supplies fiber, I see a lot of where I think the first idea came from. And then I see other people make that piece, like make something similar. Um, And what Mm -hmm. I think ultimately is that everyone is on a journey. And sometimes that journey will overlap because everybody's learning. So what I think more people need to learn is to not post those things because they're not original. They can learn Mm -hmm. from them and they can make them because they need to get to understand how to, like um, they need to understand different techniques and maybe they get better at doing a certain thing. But when a piece is looking exactly like another person's piece, I mean, that's just completely Mm unacceptable. unacceptable you know to then profit off of it and from Mm -hmm. your position because i think Mm -hmm. your your look is it's iconic and i think everybody kind of recognizes it as yours i don't know i kind of want to throw the question back to you how do you feel about it such an oh i'm so glad i asked you because i yeah that's yeah thank you and it's really interesting hearing your journey with it and how you feel about it and I think I would like to preface you know this conversation because I think it's an important one to have and the reason I'm actually bringing it up because there's a ceramicist who I follow and he's actually put on his Instagram and he's written an article about it and I think it's a really difficult interesting topic and probably become more prevalent with Instagram Mm -hmm. and and social media Um, so I think that probably early on I would try and um, 
I would get really uncomfortable and, and territorial mm-hmm. of, of it um, because I, you know, kind of felt like I remember rolling around the ground trying to make this circle. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, and I also think I'm also a realist, realistic that, you know, ideas are always from somewhere, but I don't, I really, I can honestly say I felt it was just a very pure kind of, Kind of, I'm going to make. A, I didn't see anything. Like mm-hmm. it came. I know from my brain. Maybe my brain saw something, but that was okay. But I then people would sort of do it, and very mixed. Some would send it to me. Go, hey, look what I did. I'm like, cool, that's great. And you know, like, which is god like from four year old kinder teachers in other countries in the world. You know, teaching their kids and from university students and all of that, or people sharing just learning and cool and thank you for thanking me like I really appreciate reaching out or acknowledging that they've been inspired by my work like that is really um I feel honored Mm -hmm. and I feel like um just so like you know fortunate that it's giving other people pleasure so that's kind of the good I feel better when I feel that when people are creating it and, like, there was a, it was in a museum in Peru. I remember that was one I tackled and I was just like, you're, you're a museum and you're, you're, like, you're actually, like, what's the word, like, representing this artist who's, right. like, doing my work. Like, that, like, hurts. And, and also, I, so when it's in, like, formal settings like that or when people are, there was someone on Instagram that Instagram posted their work. There's another company oh. in Australia who's got an artist who is taking it as though it's theirs. And, you know, I always just say be the bigger person as best as you can. And whenever I have tried to confront it, it, it never works well. Oh. I just get abused. Yeah. And and also I don't I, – I understand, like, you know, it's like I, I don't I don't own anything. I, of course I don't, and I, I just I always just want to come as best as I can from a generous place. If maybe my creativity has inspired someone and if they're selling it, it's like their own. And I think a lot of the time they truly believe that. They yeah. really, I don't understand. Like, I think people, some some people, and in some, in some instances, I think we're doing so much scrolling that you mm-hmm. don't even realize that the images are getting into your brain. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, but it's, had, it's different when it's exact, like when you're like, oh. oh you know. Like there's this one recently. So I generally just go like, and people often will, it's, and it's it's amazing and I, I feel so like it's, an, I, I honestly feel like it's like how incredible that people are inspired by your work or, or want right. to do your work. So I think it's probably more positive than negative, but just recently there was an Australian company and a lady on it like, Honestly, like I showed it to my kids, like because I was looking, I was like, like "Why is my work on that website?" I haven't. God, like, it's not my work. And I showed my kids, like, "Oh my God, Mum, is that not yours?" Like it was ridiculous. Oh wow! And it devalues it. It it's just so much negative energy about it, and they're selling it, and it's just wrong. It's just wrong. But you know yeah. what? It's not my problem. That's where I come to. It's not my problem. Like, if you're comfortable doing that, well, that's your problem. Right. You don't, I, I yes. Think no, I think you're right. You're right. And I have to say, I truly think 
like the with the idea of it of everybody being on their own journey and sometimes those sometimes and some of those pieces are going to overlap i don't think they're going to stay there like i think they're I think like right now you're evolving into working and playing around with squares in a very specific way. And mm. that person, I don't think is going to follow you on that path. They could. They very well sure. could because fucking some people have got balls. But <laughs> but I think, I yeah. think and I hope in most cases they'll go a different way because it, I mean, yeah. otherwise it's just, I mean, the blatant unethical kind of yeah. psychotic behavior. It's like single white female. Yeah. You know, I don't even remember the, mo- the movie yeah. from, <laughs> from the 80s. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, then it would just got to be crazy. That is a really good point. And I always do say that you're, you just keep working harder yeah. and more interesting and exploring it. Like you're much better to focus your energy on that. Yeah. Also because you have your system. brain and they don't have your brain. Like they have their brain. So yeah. uh, I have to, I have to believe that it, some point it just separates you know yeah absolutely and look I think it's you know I always think all these kind of you know you've got to just be comfortable in your own skin and what you're doing and stay in your own lane and you can't control anything so yeah you've got to just breathe Mm -hmm. and go and just refocus again just you you know it's you just grow from it but it's a really it is a really interesting and you know I'm going to put something out there you know what you should do one day on your podcast and also I know we don't know each other that well but I'm so proud of you for what you're doing I think it's awesome oh thank it's you so, so needed in this in this world you know this these discussions but it'd be so nice one day if you got a group of maybe Juju Just I don't know if you've interviewed I have Vanessa Barrett. I have I love Judith yeah <laughs> love I'm gonna put it out there maybe Juju Just just Vanessa and myself I don't know maybe you know more than just one of us and yourself oh and yeah about these topics you know in you know these really you know I don't know just yeah it's a great idea that, yeah it would be just really fascinating because I feel like we're all um what's the word <laughs> Maybe make it with the we we've come through right it. right and well I mean and there are some topics that I think are so sticky that I don't want to tackle myself <laughs> that I would love to have more voices in on it like appropriation yeah. and things like that um, yeah. because they're I don't know about sticky they're just hard to talk about and yeah. I don't have enough knowledge to do it any with any mastery so. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, you're right. I think that'd be such, that's such a good idea to have like several people in on the conversation and to just, you know, have a little, you know. Nut it out, hear the different points of view and, you know, everyone's got to be, you know, I mean, I know Vanessa's had people and. Are you talking Judith? about uh, Barago? Yeah. I reached out to her actually to, to, to um, just to interview her for the podcast. I never got a response, but. Um, oh, so Vanessa did get back to you. Mm-mm. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. yeah. If well, you talk to her a lot, <laughs> you can mention it. Well, I would I send her a little message just saying I had a beautiful conversation with you. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, she's got, like, 20 people working for her. Yeah, like, I kind of figured it, like, went into the studio <laughs> abyss email or whatever. Yeah, and I think also she's much more, um, what's the word? Yeah, I'm kind of at home. <laughs> I might not, like, I'm a bit more, I don't know. But it's also where you're at. Like, definitely rate out again because it's where you're at what's going on in your 
mind. Like sometimes oh, totally. I'm always trying to do the right thing because I just feel like I hate when people don't do the right thing by me. Like it's yeah. just not good yeah. for your self-esteem. It's like so whenever I get something, I do my best. But I, I get sometimes you don't have a chance. But, I mean, even if it's not Vanessa, but I think, you know, things like yet yeah, difficult topics like that, um, and, you know, I suppose you'd have to give everyone the right if they were going to be open and comfortable that if there was something that you, they didn't want you to, to share. Yeah, that we would add it. It's got to be that balance of, like, let's just have a really constructive, open conversation with sharing, you know, with others. Um, anyway, it would be interesting to see if the others, but I, I would be up for it because I sometimes think, like, oh, what, like, it was in, like, what, how you know how do others navigate this yeah yeah you know, I, know. and I keep, I'm thinking about it and you know I think like the practical part of our brains are saying don't give it any time or energy because it there's truly nothing you can do about mm. it but the very human reaction is like I mean it's like a gut punch it's like like why did they have to do it you know and it's impo- it's almost impossible to not feel something about it you know, but yeah. to just, you know, I think you can't, you just have to not let it affect you and your work. No. You know, I think that's. The other thing that happens to me is, do you know how many people send me direct messages going, this person's copying your work, oh, which is really lovely. But, but don't I also show wish, me. Like, yeah. Don't tell me. I actually, I don't want to know. Like, I know. It's okay. And I generally, my response is like, you know, I'll just, and which my attitude is, you have to just keep, as you're going on your journey, you know, if they copy your work and then do a podcast, okay, well, you know, it's a bit like you saying <laughs> to me, well, you, you're really now, you know, it's stepping on my turf. But I think, um, yeah, you've just got to keep feeling confident in what you're doing and um, they can only, yeah, copy so much. And, you know, and as you said before, I think it's really valid. Like sometimes I don't think they even, consciously realize mm-hmm. doing it yeah yeah, yeah. it's no, that time and 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 not not actually um just you know and the other thing i was just going to say i think for the people copying as well i don't think it's good for their souls their creative souls i know i think you're right and i think they know it too i do think deep 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 down they yeah. do know it you know maybe anyway, yeah. very interesting it is. Yeah. I know. It's a hard topic. That and I mean, yeah, there there are a lot of kind of yeah. issues in the in in our space that that I think maybe don't even really have answers to them, but to talk about them just kind of helps to also know that every you know, everybody goes through it and feels it and it's something that yeah. we all wrestle with. You know? Yeah. I think it is. It's just an awareness mm-hmm. of it. But I have to say whenever I see people post something about aggressive about someone it's just not good energy i know like i never look at it and go like yeah like i just always feel like mm, it's just dirty laundry i know i know it's <laughs> you know no and you're right i mean and the, and the the problem with that too is that you um is that you're giving it too much weight and so it weighs and but it weighs yourself down the more you mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. Maybe for some people it's actually therapeutic to put it out. But I don't – I would say because then it it's inviting people to comment on it and the energy that that, that it creates around so that, it just gets bigger and snowballs. So then I just yeah. – yeah, it's just overall not 
not the healthiest way and rip it up exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, write it down that's exactly it write it down and rip it up yeah paper paper's good (laughs) everything Uh, everything lasts forever in the digital space so like you know you can't (laughs) don't put it out there so true yeah yeah but oh just so so lovely like talking to you and I feel like the university just this discussion just happened at a really good time for me I just oh good you know really so thank you so much thank you so much I mean for also for saying yes to chatting with me I'm telling you I was very nervous to ask too I was like oh (laughs) I hope she says yes oh pleasure well have a good day all right Okay, thanks again. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.